0: Stop collecting the—and when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. They distort their faces so people will know they are fasting. I assure you that they have their reward. When you fast, brush your hair and wash your face. Then you won't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your Father who is present in that secret place. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Stop collecting— Treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them, and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Wherefore, therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Then the light in you is darkness. How terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink.
1: Or, or about your body, what you'll wear? Isn't life more than food and body, more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seeds or harvest grain or gather crops in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out of work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dressed grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and more God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.
2: Amen. All right. So this scripture is one that um, that gets taught even in our nursery here at Oak Church. Um, it's uh, oh yes, please be seated. <laughs> um, and that's because, oh, Okay. Sorry, all the multitasking is not working for me right now. Um, <laughs> so this is a scripture that we teach even in the nursery. On a higher. Thank you perfect. Thanks, y'all. And the reason that we do that is because it's a, you know, pretty basic scripture, at least on its surface. Um, It's one that even young kids can kind of get their head around. Um, You know, God takes care of the birds and the flowers and God takes care of you. Um, And that's about how we teach it to the littlest ones, the like two and three-year-olds. Um, but what I always tell my volunteers when, when they get to this month, I think we usually teach it in April um, because that's when you, you see springtime kind of emerging everywhere. But what I always tell my volunteers is that really your job this month is not to teach the children because they will give you a master class in how to trust and not worry. Um, so. This sermon is for the grown ups and um, kids. You can listen in too, but you know more about this than your parents do. <laughs> um, if you would pray with me briefly before I start. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. Um, thank you for taking care of us. Thank you that we can hear the birds and we can smell the flowers from where we're sitting. Um, what a gift. Um, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So I I have a confession to make, and that is that this sermon almost didn't happen. Uh, When my kids are both attending in-person school, I have about 12 hours a week to work. So when I told Chris that I would preach this morning, I was expecting to have about 12 hours to prepare, which, you know, more than enough time. I was feeling really confident. And then a week ago this morning, James came down with a virus, um, and he's feeling much better now. Um, But because of the abundance of caution around, uh, you know, any threat of COVID uh, with his school, he had to stay home for most of the week. So instead of having 12 hours to prepare, I had three hours on Thursday morning. (laughs) Um, So I came home from dropping off Sam at preschool in an absolute panic, Uh, you know, I'm, my mind is just racing, you know, what am I going to say? How am I going to pull something together in three hours? Uh, If I blow this, it's just going to prove all those grumpy old dudes on Twitter, right, that women shouldn't be preaching. and. Why did I say I would do this? And I'm going to look ridiculous. You know, My chest is getting tight. My breathing is getting shallow. Um, and I sort of steal my resolve to march into my house and uh, sit down with my laptop and hammer this thing out as quickly as humanly possible. Um, as an aside, if you have inferred from this story that I'm a bit on the anxious side, you are correct in that <laughs> assumption. Um, I'm what someone would refer to as a highly sensitive person, or perhaps one with a bit of an overexcitability of the imagination, or maybe you'd call it generalized anxiety disorder, you know, potato, potato. Um, so, anyway, at this point, the irony has not hit me that I am standing in my front yard literally freaking out about writing a sermon on a passage where Jesus instructs us not to freak out. Um, but how was, I gonna, how was I gonna snap out of it? You know, the anxiety had completely taken over and I was all the way in my lizard brain. The prefrontal cortex was offline. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I get like this, I find it nearly impossible to snap myself out of it. I need something from outside of myself to kind of shake me back into reality. Um, and on this particular Thursday morning, the Lord cut through my mental noise and got my attention. Uh, I felt the gentle nudge of the Spirit to go take a walk. And I responded, yes, Lord, of course. No, I didn't, actually. Um, I was still fully in my tizzy, so I was thinking and saying to the Lord, take a walk? What? I don't have time for a walk. I have to hustle. I have to get this done. You should understand this. I'm working for you. Um, You know, all of that. Um, God is so good, and I can be so oblivious. Uh, Anyway, I feel another nudge to go take a walk, and look at the flowers, and listen to the birds, and then, okay, okay, Lord, I get it now. I should actually go consider some lilies before I write a sermon on considering the lilies. Good one. Okay, Lord, I got it. So I started out just walking around my neighborhood and at first, um, I'm still like marching uh, and, uh, and trying to outline a sermon in my head and not really paying attention to anything around me. Um, but I couldn't keep it up for very long because I was distracted by how gorgeous the trees and the flowers are right now. Um, my whole neighborhood smells like honeysuckle. It, it's, it's just stunning. Um, In one quick walk around the block, I saw peonies and roses and bachelors buttons and catmint and sweet William and irises just looking extravagantly beautiful. And even like empty lots and roadside ditches were full of honeysuckle and dandelions and daisies and clover. Uh, The only thing bluer than the sky on Thursday morning was the bluebird that I saw fly up to her nest in a neighbor's tree. Everywhere I walked, I could hear birdsong of all different kinds. Uh, You know, sparrows and robins and cardinals and I don't know what else. Uh, I was overwhelmed by the beauty of it all. And before I knew it, my breathing had evened out, my body had relaxed, And rather than worrying about what I was going to say to all of you this morning, I was trying to figure out why the natural world is so beautiful. I mean, it's not like it's strictly necessary for the survival of all the species, for everything to be this gorgeous. uh, It just seems kind of over the top. And the only explanation that I have for why all of this exists is and is so magnificent, is that the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are constantly pouring forth their creative and generative and lavish love that makes everything beautiful in its time, even me and even you. And so do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear, Jesus says, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, The God who created the specific shade of pink on my peony flowers in my front yard and makes the honeysuckle over there smell so sweet is paying attention to each of us. And not just the spiritual condition of our our hearts and our souls, but our bodily, physical needs. You know, Jesus could have just told us to let go of our desire for food and for clothing and to only pay attention to spiritual matters, but he doesn't say that. Jesus comforts us with the message that the Heavenly Father knows what we need before we can even ask. Since I am someone who tends to worry about things, there have been times in my life when I have felt condemned by this passage and others like it, I don't know how many times I, you know, couldn't sleep or my anxiety was getting bad and I would just repeat Philippians 4-6 to myself. Do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. (sighs) You know, over and over. Somehow the more I focused on these verses, the more I worried about worrying. Uh, You know, I would confess to God my sinful attitude of worry and I would ask God to help me trust more. I thought that if I could just get my mind right and really truly believe that God was in control, I could choose to obey God and stop worrying, even as my anxiety became my constant companion and cast a shadow over much of my life. Now, I know all of this sounds kind of ridiculous when I say that I was worrying about worrying, um, but regardless of whether or not anxiety is a particular thing for you, I think it's really easy to fall into the belief that the Christian life is all about trying harder. And I wonder if that might be part of the reason Jesus urges us here to get out of our own heads and really look at creation. There's something about the natural world, at least for me, that makes it easier to be present to God. And when we are present to God and we allow God to speak to us, we will find rest and peace and a reminder that we are each immensely loved. Now, I can't talk about this passage without addressing a very serious question that came up for me and one that you may have wondered as well. What about the birds that don't get enough food? What about the people who don't? Is God paying attention then? If we or our neighbors are genuinely hungry or thirsty or in need of clothing, where is God then? I think that Jesus speaks to that question a bit when he says, "To seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well." It's like last week when we talked about the Lord's prayer. We pray, "Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And as Bishop Williamin remind us that re- Bishop Willimon reminded us that when we pray that prayer, God will very likely ask us to help make that happen. If we all collectively are seeking to establish God's kingdom here on earth, rather than amassing wealth in our own private kingdoms, you know, storing up treasure in heaven rather than on earth, there's plenty for everybody. Christianity is meant to be a communal practice where we take care of one another. I'm reminded of the time when the disciples bring a similar question to Jesus in Matthew 14. It was another day in which Jesus was out in the open air teaching to a big crowd of people. After a full day of teaching, the disciples approach him and say, the crowds have been here in this remote place all day listening, and they're hungry. Send them out to the villages so they can get something to eat. And Jesus says to the disciples, I wish I could see their faces when he said this. You give them something to eat. Now, you all know the end of this story. The disciples offer what little they have and miraculously Jesus makes it more than enough. This is how God's kingdom works. God's kingdom is powered by the generative, creative, lavish love of the triune God and there is always more than enough. But we can't partner with God to make sure that everyone is fed and cared for if we're not paying attention to the right things. And I think this is part of what Jesus is getting at in the beginning of today's passage when he warns us about the dangers of doing things to try to impress other people. Jesus tells us that if we fast or pray or do anything spiritual-looking so that other people think we're holy or awesome, super... God, amazing, Um, that we've already missed out on, you know, we've missed out on our reward, or rather, as he says, that we've already gotten the reward that we were looking for, which is the approval of other people. But the true purpose for engaging in spiritual disciplines like prayer and fasting is to connect with God. And if we're so preoccupied with what other people think of us, there's no way we're going to connect with God. We aren't even paying attention to God at this point. Jesus also speaks out against accumulating stuff to impress other people. He says quite simply that you cannot serve God and money. As an aside, I love that Jesus is so practical here. My sort of nerdy teacher self, I I love watching teacher Jesus at work. Um, He doesn't use guilt or emotional manipulation to inspire better behavior, which is something that a lot of faith teachers even today do because it's so much easier. Um, it's it's super quick and easy to modify other people's behavior by using emotional manipulation. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't say that you shouldn't try to serve both God and money. He doesn't slip in like a passive aggressive. I would really like it if you wouldn't try to serve God and money. No, you can't. It's not possible. Uh, the ways and the values of consumerism are antithetical to the ways and values of God's kingdom, and he's right. You can't. When I'm spending my time worrying about whether my clothes are in style or the fact that my hair is going gray or what my house looks like or if people think I'm smart and awesome, I am going to respond to those thoughts by trying to solve the problem Um, and usually that involves spending money or doing things for the purpose of impressing other people. So when my eyes are fixed on the goal of significance in the eyes of others, my daily actions and decisions are going to move me towards the goal of looking good in front of other people. But that's never gonna make me truly happy. And what's more, it's gonna keep me from paying attention to what's truly important, what I was made for, what's going to actually bring joy and meaning to my life and make the world a better place. And what is this magical thing that's going to bring happiness? Loving God and loving my neighbor, which is just another way of saying, seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. All these things, food, clothes, companionship, fulfillment, purpose, will be given to me as well. Jesus is telling us not to miss out. Everybody's gonna serve somebody. And if we choose to serve money, or power or prestige, which is what so many forces in our culture are constantly screaming at us to pursue. We may get those things and we may not, but they're not gonna satisfy us. We're going to miss out on the reward, experiencing God's love in all of its fullness and sharing that love with others in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. So my challenge to us this week is to look up and look out. Go take a walk and look around you at God's incredible creativity, as is evidenced in creation, and then look around at where God might be inviting you to use that same powerful creative love that God has planted inside us to nurture and care for someone or something else, whether that be a plant or an animal or a brother or a sister. Amen.